Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Steeler fans, and welcome to The Cutting Room Floor, one of the newest podcasts from Behind the Steel Curtain. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You may be familiar with my articles on Behind the Steel Curtain, or you may know me from my podcast with Michael Beck, Know Your Enemy and The Curtain Call. If you aren't familiar with my other work and ran across this podcast, well, congratulations, because you've come into contact with one of the best Steeler communities in the world. At our website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, you can get all the Steelers news you want, along with commentary, film breakdowns, everything you could want, it's on the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Adding to that, our podcast network, which has been expanding and offering you plenty of Steelers content as we head into the 2021 season, we're going to have multiple shows every weekday. With the podcast expansion, I was offered the chance to have my own show. That's this one, the one you're listening to, The Cutting Room Floor. Cutting Floor is going to be a weekly half hour where I get to talk to you about what I'm seeing from the Steelers that I find interesting and worth paying attention to. Often, it's going to be stuff that doesn't fit into my normal film room formats. So today, our first show, and for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about preseason football. The preseason is a great time of year, one of my favorites. First of all, because football's back. There's actual games in actual stadiums on television. 
it's our first chance to see new players on our team, the rookies, the free agents, you know, undrafted free agents, everybody. The preseason is our first chance to see all of these players in uniform on the field playing together against another team. The preseason is also one of the craziest times of year. It's full of hype, disappointment, and way too many hot takes. One of my favorite events each year is behind the steel curtain, the Isaac Redman Awards, where fans get to vote for a player that comes out of relative obscurity to inspire our fan base as a player that can save the Steelers' season. Uh, The way Isaac Red Zone Redman convinced Steelers fans that the era of Smash Mouth football was about to return. It's a fun time, an event that puts a spotlight on players who may not be stars, but who have a chance to make a roster and be a fan favorite when they make plays. But let's be honest, while the hype and the excitement of the preseason, it's a lot of fun. It also leads to a lot of terrible evaluations and takes from media and fans alike. Uh, one of my favorite examples of this was Tuzar Skipper, who in 2019, uh, in preseason games, was a terror in the backfield, just just pressuring quarterbacks, racking up sacks, tackles for loss, and he led Steeler fans to believe that he was going to be this, the next great Steelers edge rusher, right? And there were people saying, hey, you know, this guy can take over for Bud Dupree. This guy can be that edge rusher next to TJ Watt that'll lead us to, you know, back to the days of Harrison and Woodley. Well, instead, the Steelers cut him. He went to the Giants. The Giants cut him. He came back to the Steelers. The Steelers cut him again. And then last season, he ended up with the Tennessee Titans. He's played 10 games in two seasons. He has half a sack and eight tackles. A little bit behind, you know, Bud Dupree, who he was touted to be able to replace by Steeler fans and who, by the way, is now a starter in Tennessee for the Titans, where Tuzar Skipper is going to be fighting to make the roster again. For the first part of today's show, I want to talk about preseason football and how I evaluate players and film in the preseason. And whenever I, whenever I look at a player, whenever I look at uh, great plays, whenever I, when I look at anything that stands out in the preseason, I always ask myself three questions. First off, what is that player's rank? Right? And But what I mean by that is, when in the game are they playing? Who's on the field? Who's on the field for the Steelers? Is this the the second team? Are they are they are they playing with third team? You know who who's on the other field, on the other side of the field? Is it is it the other team's second string? Is is or is this like fourth quarter of of game four and it's you know players who aren't even going to be in the NFL? Uh, I consider that the rank. Like how how much quality is there in these snaps? Obviously, the Steelers, you know. Aren't play, didn't play starters in the Hall of Fame game. So the, the first players out there were some younger players like Alex Highsmith and Chase Claypool, uh, some rookies, but mostly it was second string players, right? So if you got if you got time then, you're playing against NFL backups. That's that's kind of where your rank is there. If you're playing at the end of the Hall of Fame game in the fourth quarter, you're you're likely two tiers down from that. You've gone from backups to edge of the roster players to now it's guys that they don't really have much invested in 
the end of preseason games are the guys most likely they're not going to be on an NFL roster. So if you're looking good, you know, so, so if you're playing against guys who are going to be backups and, and, and borderline starters in the NFL versus guys who are playing against guys who aren't likely to even be in the league after the preseason ends, there's a difference there. And you have to consider that. That's a big consideration in, in when you look at a player's film. The second part of that is what are they being asked to do? What is their role? Oftentimes, when you're looking at a player later in the game, uh, the defense gets incredibly simplified as the game goes on in a preseason game. Obviously, they don't show everything, even if even if the starters are in there, even if Ben Roethlisberger is playing, it's the starting offensive line. They don't show everything they're going to do in the season. But it's much closer to what to what NFL football is going to look like than when you get, again, into the bottom of the roster players where it's, you know, here, here's a cover one man play uh, or a cover two zone, but it's going to be very simple. It's not going to have complex switches. It's not going to have the same adjustments you see when the starting defense is out there. It's, it's just a very different style of football. It's a very simplified style of football. And their roles in that can also be very simplified. Sometimes you see players that on each snap, they're just they're just rushing, right? They're they're an outside linebacker and they're just rushing. They're not going to drop into coverage. They're not doing any zone switches. They're not they're not doing any of that stuff. The Steelers just want to see, hey, you know, what can you do? Go out there, attack the offense. Let's see what you can do. Go go beat somebody. Go go when it's when football is at its very simplest, can you make plays? Right? That's what they're looking at. The last thing is the results. What did you show when you were on the field? Not just, you know, did you get a stat? Did you get a tackle? Did you did you make a sack? But on film, are you creating havoc? Are you driving things to happen? Are you are you forcing the quarterback to throw the ball early? You know, what what's your play? What are you what are you actually contributing? And those are the three factors I use to judge anyone. Obviously the last one the results. That's one we always use. That applies to every situation. That applies to, to preseason, regular season. You, you look at Super Bowl, everyone judges them by what happens when you're on the field and what do you do. But in the preseason, to me, the most important one is the first one. What's their rank? Where are they playing in the game? When are they playing in the game? How? Where does the team view them on the hierarchy and on the depth chart? And then role is also important. And, and what you'll often see is a player do really good in the fourth quarter when their role is simple, the defense is simple, and they're playing against guys who aren't really NFL players. And then you see them get a chance to play against you know actual NFL players, NFL backups, and they disappear. This is the exact case we saw with Tuzar Skipper. Tuzar Skipper was dominant in the fourth quarter. He was, he was a nightmare to deal with. He showed up on almost every play. After he was doing that, the Steelers put him in earlier. He ended up facing, you know, the other team's backups, actual NFL players. And his role was expanded. All of a sudden, they're asking him to do more, you know, run defense, read the play first, then rush or defend. And they even dropped him into coverage. And he absolutely disappeared. He just disappeared and did nothing. Didn't didn't really look like he was doing anything. And a lot of people didn't even realize he had gotten the chance to play earlier because he hadn't done anything. 
He did absolutely nothing when he got that chance. And in that same game, they left him in when those backups left and the non-NFL roster type players came on. And again, he was dominant. And everyone's saying, oh, look how good he is. But he had his chance. You know, he had his chance at, at playing against NFL caliber talent. And he didn't do anything with that chance. So he didn't make the roster. You see guys who will dominate. I, I think of a Ulysses Gilbert III, who in spite of his injuries is still on the team. He's had really bad injury luck. Uh, and he's had some other issues. But he showed up against the bottom of the of the roster crowd and dominated. And the Steelers moved him up and gave him a chance to play against higher competition. And he didn't dominate, but he played well. He showed up. He still made some plays. He, he was still able to cover people. He was still making tackles. He was still good. And he stayed on the roster and was actually... Looked like he was going to get more snaps before his injuries. Uh, and and this year, we're still. He still is on the team. He still has a chance at a career with the Pittsburgh Steelers because he can. He showed them, you know, that he can play against NFL-caliber players, and he's not just someone who's going to dominate against guys who don't belong on an NFL roster. So when we look at players who show up in preseason and have a really good game, what we want to do is not just walk away from it and say, oh, wow, that player looked good. Like, make him a starter. Give him a new contract. They're the next superstar. What we need to do is consider those first two questions. When were they playing? Who are they playing against? Who are they playing with? Their rank on the team. And what was their role? What were they being asked to do? Because when players typically excel late in games, when their rank is low and when their role is simplified... They're not just going to jump, you know, big time. But what's going to happen is the Steelers are going to give them the opportunity to play at a higher rank, to play earlier in the game against better competition, with better teammates around them, and expand their role. And how they expand to how they react and how they respond to that challenge is going to be a big part of whether they make the roster or not. Some people move from you know, bottom of the depth chart up to being a rotational player with their play in the preseason. Some guys that would get cut end up making the team, and some guys who looked like they were going to be a good player in practice and in football and shorts, when they get their chance, they show they're really not suited, you know, for the NFL, and they end up not on the roster. So when we do see a player do great, what we want to do is watch what they do in the next game. So we're going to look at, in this show, some players in the Hall of Fame game who, to me, showed some good qualities on tape, who may deserve a bigger shot, a bigger role, a, a look at a expanded role, or, uh, or playing earlier in the game in the next one. We're going to do that in the second half of our show. Uh, I do want to give a caveat. I'm not going to be talking about this I, I'm not the guy who talks about the Alex Highsmith. You know, that's that's not this show. If you want to talk about that, like everyone is breaking down and can tell you Alex Highsmith looked great in the Hall of Fame game. Najee Harris looked great. Of course they did. They're going to be starters, right? They're playing against backups. They should look great. I'm looking at players who were a little farther down the depth chart or who kind of surprised me and I think aren't being talked about enough who may get a shot 
at a bigger role, at an expanded role in this team, and have a good shot to to make the team. Not, I think I think the people I'm talking about, uh, there, there's they could they could miss the roster. There are even people that have been talked about as people who could get cut from this team that made a good showing in the Hall of Fame game. So right now we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about a few players and a couple of positions that I think are really worth watching uh, this Thursday when the Steelers play Philadelphia to see where the, when they're playing, what they're being asked to do, and what they actually do with those opportunities. Welcome back to From the Cutting Room Floor. I'm your host, uh, Jeffrey Benedict. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame game and a few, a, a couple position groups and some players that stood out to me as players that, that are worth watching to see how they perform in the coming games as they, they showed up pretty good in the Hall of Fame game. One of the main positions that has intrigued me for this offseason has been the defensive line. Uh, obviously, at the top of the of the defensive line depth chart with uh, Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, and Tyson Alu-Alu, the Steelers have three really good defensive linemen. Uh, two, two really like all-pro level, pro bowl level guys in Stefan Tuitt and Cam Hayward. And Tyson Alu-Alu, who showed last year in in the nose tackle role, and in that backup rotational role, he could be a real force to be reckoned with. Behind them, the Steelers have a lot of players, a lot of depth, uh, and and a lot of players who have played in the NFL, or, along with a new draft pick that they traded up, a pick from next year to get in Isaiah Loudermilk. So we're going to look, if you, if you remember the, in the first half, we talked about the three R's. Players rank, their role, and their results. Uh, we're going to start off looking at, looking at the rank these guys played in. So with the starters not playing, the first two defensive linemen to play were Chris Wormley and Henry Mondeau. Which, which actually stands out a little bit to me that Henry Mondeau is one of those guys, is, is in the first you know, two players to make it and play in that game. Uh, because last year he did not make the the 53-man roster. He started out in the practice squad behind Isaiah Bugs and Carlos Davis, who both made the 53-man roster. And from week nine to the end of the season, Mondo only played four more snaps than Carlos Davis. And they were the bottom two defensive linemen. Mondo played the sixth most snaps. And now, with the top three out, he's one of the top two, which places him at least five at least fifth. So he he showed a significant move up in rank from last year, you know, to, to the start of the preseason this year. The Steelers have clearly think he has improved quite a bit. He played with Chris Wormley and Isaiah Bugs was the nose tackle when they when 
for those first rotations. Uh, the second team, when they rotated Mondo and Wormley out, Isaiah Loudermilk and Calvin Taylor came into play. Uh, Isaiah Bugs was still the nose tackle. He's played nose tackle that whole section. Then with four, thir- four minutes and 38 seconds left in the first half, Carlos Davis came in uh, for, for Chris Wormley, uh, which, which kind of tells you if Chris Wormley's the first player out, that, that he's number four, right? He's behind the guys who were who out for the game. And then, so we're kind of looking at Wormley, Mondo, Bugs, and then Loudermilk and Taylor, and then Carlos Davis. But when Carlos Davis came in, he immediately showed up on film. As a pass rusher, he's quick off the snap. He was collapsing the pocket. He he hit the quarterback multiple times. He forced some bad throws. Consistently in the backfield, consistently driving back offensive linemen, uh, and showing showing some decent decent rush moves. Uh, one of the one of the few plays that he didn't look as good on, he was they were going to run an inside twist where the defensive tackles basically run a stunt. And was, was the way the play is designed the, on this play was Henry Mondo is going to crash into the guard in the center on his side. And then Carlos Davis is going to loop behind him, you know, for a stunt. Well, what happened is Carlos Davis beat him off the ball, off the snap, bad enough that he was two steps ahead of Henry Mondo. So he has to come to a complete stop and wait for Mondo to crash into the offensive lineman line and then like back up and cut around him. And it was it absolutely failed. The whole play flopped basically because Davis was too quick off the snap to loop behind Mondo. If you've seen uh some of the videos from training camp they've had uh one of the early training camp videos showed Cameron Hayward rushing uh doing a little race against henry against uh carlos davis where they had a had a football and they simulated a snap and then they they had to run like five yards and it took cameron hayward a good number of tries to beat carlos davis carlos davis is fast off the ball he accelerates fast he is a quick player similar to what we saw with javon hargrave uh but i think while javon hargrave was a more polished pass rusher Carlos Davis, and in, in, at least in this game against you know third tier roster guys, so so you know kind of border the edge of the roster guys, showed a lot more power and uh, not quite as refined pass rush, but he was powerful and he was quick. Uh, if you want a correlation to a player who plays like that as a starter and as a high level, think of Stefan Tuitt. Stefan Tuitt is quick off the ball and he is powerful. He's athletic and powerful, and he he just turned that into a dang good career. Stefan Tuitt doesn't even have as many pass rush moves as I've seen Carlos Davis throw down. He doesn't need them. He's just brute force. He, he gets off the snap, and he just bullies people. Uh, Carlos Davis showed in that game, again, rank is an important thing to consider. He was kind of third string there. Uh he showed that kind of potential. He didn't look as good when he had run responsibilities. Uh, there was a couple plays he too it was too gapping. He didn't look good, but I'm very interested to see where he lines up and where his rank is against Philadelphia. 
I also have to mention that while Calvin Taylor was ahead of uh, Carlos Davis in the Hall of Fame game, got into play before him, Calvin Taylor will not be playing in the Philadelphia Eagles game because he is not on the roster anymore. He was waived injured. So Carlos Davis is automatically going to move up there. But I'm very interested to see how this plays out because to me, in that limited action, Carlos Davis looked better than all the other defensive linemen that played that game. So he looked better than Wormley, better than Mondo, better than Bugs, better than Loudermilk. He looked better than all of those guys. So I'm very interested to see where he plays. Also, later in the game, they rotated him out of the normal defensive line, and he played nose tackle in the third and fourth quarter. He played a lot of and late in the third and the fourth quarter. He played some nose tackle, uh, where he was he was not quite as good a fit. He's more of a pass rusher. He's much better when it's you know just the two interior defensive linemen and then the edge rushers outside when it's just a four man front. He looked better in those snaps. Uh, but he also played some nose tackle and looked pretty good. So he is my first player to watch out for, uh, as well as just know that we are going to keep track of the defensive line uh, situation this entire preseason because that is one of my favorites to look at. The second player I want to look at from the Hall of Fame game that stood out to me is a player I did a film room on. Uh, The film room came out on Monday, and it's about Trey Norwood. The Steelers' uh, seventh-round pick, their first of two seventh-round picks. Mike Tomlin, when they drafted him, called him a jack-of-all-trades safety. Uh, and he really was, frankly, he was overshadowed by the pick of Presley Harvin the third, And he's been overshadowed by the play of Presley Harvin the third. as Presley Harvin the third has looked phenomenal kicking the ball. Uh, and even in the Hall of Fame game, man, the game Presley Harvin the third had. Uh, he, he looked phenomenal. Trey Norwood in the Hall of Fame game, and if you look at the depth chart, he's listed as the backup to Minka Fitzpatrick at free safety. So in the Hall of Fame game with Minka Fitzpatrick sitting out, not playing in the game at all, Trey Norwood started. This is a seventh-round pick rookie starting his in the first preseason game for Minka Fitzpatrick, and frankly, he looked a little bit like Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, the caveat here is he's not Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm not saying he is. I'm not even I'm not saying he's going to be. I, I don't I don't believe he has the potential to be. I'd never rule out anything. I'm never gonna sit there and say a guy can't, you know, become that great from where he's starting from. But Trey Norwood, his odds of being the next Minka Fitzpatrick are incredibly low, right? He, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's the next Minka Fitzpatrick. But when you look at the film, one of the things that has always stood out about Minka Fitzpatrick is his awareness and his ability to flow with the play, to see where the play is going and and just be in the right spot, right? So that when the ball is thrown, he's in the right spot to challenge it. And it's one of the reasons, him being in the right spot is one of the reasons he doesn't get targeted. Because he's already there. You can look, like the quarterback goes to look at a receiver and Minka Fitzpatrick's in position to defend the pass. And you're not going to throw that because he has a history of when you do throw that, he's he's going to pick it off and he's a threat to take it all the way back for a touchdown. So they just don't throw his way. Trey Norwood, while he he doesn't have the, he hasn't shown the playmaking yet. He didn't in college quite as much. And he, in, well, he had a lot of interceptions in college. I shouldn't say that. 
Uh, well, he hasn't shown the playmaking. He didn't have the pedigree of Minka Fitzpatrick, and he doesn't have the athletic testing numbers that Minka Fitzpatrick had. He shows that level of vision and awareness to find where the play is going, get there, and make a play. It's, it stood out to me, even in, in television broadcast, where most of the time you don't even get to see the free safety. And for preseason, we, we don't get the All-22 in the coaches' film. You don't get that. So the chance I got to see Trey Norwood was in when the Dallas Cowboys got into the Steelers red zone that early on in the game, right? In the first quarter, they're in the, in the red zone and they, and uh, Alex Highsmith gets his sack on that play. Trey Norwood moved a couple of different plays and he just basically denied the quarterback his reads. He took away his reads uh, he went to his first read. It was covered. He goes to the second read. Trey Norwood just reads the play, gets in the right spot. That play's covered. He goes to look for his third read. Trey Norwood moves with his eyes and is like, no, it doesn't matter. Either of these players in the middle, right? It's two guys in the middle. Uh, either of them. Trey Norwood's not going to let him get the ball to, and he ends up sacked. Then that same drive. Uh, is is the play where Trey Norwood almost had an interception, where he was the he was the deep half safety on the other on the right side of the field, and makes it all the way over to the left side of the field to break up a pass because he sees the quarterback scramble away from pressure. Quarterback scrambles away from pressure. Trey Norwood sees it, follows his eyes, runs down there, is aware of where the receivers are, and puts himself in position that as soon as the ball is thrown, he breaks on the ball, and the wide receiver ends up having to break up the pass like it was intended for the guy and he is playing defense because Trey Norwood stepped in front of the ball now he started there right he's not going to move up in front of Minka Fitzpatrick so you're sitting there saying Jeff you know your your main thing was was rank he's not moving up from backup free safety he's not gonna be the starting free safety but what I'm interested in seeing for him is does he have potential to play the nickel role can they expand his role or, or not the nickel the dime to be the dime back in the same way where Cameron Sutton was the dime back, but could also play a deep zone. If you have a backup safety who can play those deep zones, can back up Minka Fitzpatrick and also play the dime back role, you're going to be in a situation where you can keep Cameron Sutton on the outside and still feel free to move Minka Fitzpatrick around to positions that fit him better, to places where he's more dangerous. Because he is at his most dangerous when he can attack forward. And as the deepest safety, that's not your job, right? So whenever Minka Fitzpatrick can move up a bit and have someone deeper than him, he's even better than just when he's the deep safety. So for me, that's what I want to see from Trey Norwood. I want to see if they they expand his role and if they try him at dime back uh, against Philadelphia. It'll be very interesting, especially while Minka Fitzpatrick's still playing. The lastly, we're going to talk about as a player, player to watch for is Trey Edmonds. Uh... Edmonds is listed as the Steelers' backup fullback behind Derek Watt. He is a special teams ace who has played running back. He's truly a running back. That's his position. But he's kind of gelled into this backup fullback mode. And on the Hall of Fame game, he played H-back, which is the hybrid fullback tight end position. If you remember Will Johnston from the Steelers, uh, under Bruce Arians way back then, 2012 to 2015, I think 15, he was there. So late uh, Bruce Arians, 
early Todd Haley years. Will Johnson, he was fast. He could catch the ball. He could run a bit, and he was he could block some. That's that's an H back role, right? Well, Matt Canada uses it the same position a little differently. There's a lot more of them crossing the formation on plays and a lot more of them in motion. Uh, they're, they're a big deal in Matt Canada's offense, not just as a weapon, but in creating misdirection and throwing off the defense as to what you're actually doing. For most of the game, that position was played by the backup tight ends, Kevin Rader. Uh, yeah. Bunch of guys, a uh, bunch of guys playing that backup tight ends. And then late in the game, Trey Edmonds comes in and plays that position. And from what I saw, I think he did better than the tight ends. He did a much better job making blocks coming across the formation, which is a key part. Not quite as good with the traditional tight end vertical routes and, you know, straight up man blocking from that position. Wasn't quite as good as some of the tight ends, but coming across the formation, he was much better. And that even led to him being the target of two passes. He got 22 yards on two targets and was the number two receiver for the game. So Trey Edmonds is someone to watch for because he, he's hung around. He's kind of a Tomlin guy. He's a special, he's an absolutely great special teams player who isn't a good enough running back to make the team that way. But he's stuck around. He's one of those guys that Tomlin likes. His attitude, his effort, whatever it is. He may now have a chance to legitimately make this roster as an H-back. And I'm very interested to watch to see how the backup tight ends do. Obviously, uh, Pat Fryermuth and Eric Ebron are going to be back. We're going to see how Pat Fryermuth does as an H-back. I think he's going to fit that role pretty well. Uh, we're going to get to see you know, more people compete for that role. But if they don't distinguish, if they don't seize that role, and you don't have some backup running backs who are really making, you know, their case for being a person the team, you know, you need this person on the team. You could see Trey Edmonds sneak onto this roster as an H-back, where he's like the number three tight end, number four running back and backup fullback in the special teams ace. I could see him making the roster in that way. So those are my those are my three things. Carlos Davis, watch for Carlos Davis, Trey Norwood, and Trey Edmonds. Watch for them in the upcoming preseason games. That's that's it for my, my first show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for some listening and supporting Behind the Steel Curtains podcast network. Make sure you go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and check out all the articles there. Truly is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank you very much for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.